Hey guys, it's C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life doing another episode of Season 15, a bonus episode. It is Episode 10, and uh, I get that uh, bonus episodes are kind of surprising, but it was absolutely necessary to do so due to a somewhat very humbling experience that I had recently uh, when typing one of my friends, and I mistyped them. Uh-oh, yes, that's correct. I made a mistake, and uh, as uh, humbling as it is for me to admit in public in this manner that I made a mistake, it is important to you uh, and to me, and uh, it's important to me to show you how exactly I made that mistake so that you don't make that same mistake yourself. You understand how I made that mistake and how people end up making mistakes when it comes to utilizing the type grid uh, as well as the temperament matrix type grid, you know, according to Linda Behrens and the temperament matrix according to Stephen Montgomery, etc. And how people can make mistakes, right? So this is a lecture on failure, you know, failure to use the type grid correctly, failure to use the temperament matrix correctly. And it is important to do so because it is my desire that this audience understands exactly how to utilize these tools so that y'all can get informed and be educated and be accurate in typing people so you're not mistyping anyone. Uh, now, with that in mind, I just got the final proof of uh, for review. I just reviewed the final proof uh, for uh, the type grid and uh, the temperament matrix. It's been completely upgraded, includes all the new material we've been discussing here in season 15, and it will be going live very soon on my website in order for anyone to uh, get those materials and utilize those tools to help you type yourself and others. That's kind of what we're doing this, and uh, season 15 is all about how to use the type grid, etc. But for the sake of this episode, it is important that I share with you a story and uh, how I ended up making a mistake and why I made a mistake and how you can prevent yourself from making the same mistake. And uh, yeah, we're also gonna be talking a little bit about um, how that affects myself, how it affects others, uh, where uh, where my mentors fit into this because we they had similar experiences when utilizing that type grid uh, years back. And it is important that we understand these caveats because there is a few caveats here and there when you're utilizing the type grid and the temperament matrix. And once you're aware of these caveats, you know how to avoid them. They're like little landmines, like, oh, crap, there goes my leg. Yeah, well, I like it to, you know, keep my leg and I like my audience to keep their limbs as well. So based on that, we're going to be doing a dive into, you know, the title of this particular uh, episode, season 15, episode 10, which is how to prevent mistyping. So with using the type grid and the temperament matrix. But before I begin, don't forget, this round of the giveaway, we're giving away this book, People Patterns by Stephen Montgomery, PhD. This is the book where we derive as our source material for the temperament matrix. Uh, this is an excellent read. I do not completely agree with everything he says because he's very pro David Kiersey, which kind of sucks, but I mean, I get it, it is what it is. Uh, he also has some interesting points about uh, temperament uh, compatibility uh, according to uh, relationships, professions. Uh, I don't agree with all of it, I agree with some of it, but that doesn't matter, it's still a very good read. Definitely something I recommend. And if you would like to win this book, um, or an electronic copy, if for some reason I'm not able to ship you a physical copy book because you might be in Sri Lanka or something, uh, if that's the case, uh, We'll work with you. Uh, anyway, to be to be entered to win this, uh, all you have to do is be a subscriber to the channel, leave a comment here on this lecture, as well as like the lecture, and uh, 
people, someone will be chosen randomly and will be announced on the next whiteboard lecture that I do. Okay, so the following whiteboard lecture you see, the name will be written on the whiteboard as to who the winner is. So be aware of that. If you want to read, if you want to win a copy of People Patterns by Stephen Montgomery, PhD, definitely get into that. That's going to be awesome. Also, one more thing before I actually dive into this lecture. Uh, I'm about to be posting my reading list uh, onto uh, my website. It will be available very soon. We are working on it, and I'm very happy to be sharing it with you. Not only that, I'll also be sharing with exact with you exactly what I'm reading every single day so that you know, oh, this is what Chase is reading, and then if you want to read it with me, you can read it with me. So, awesome. Uh, great. That being said, uh, live stream tomorrow as well, Elon Musk. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? And maybe like Joe Rogan too, but whatever. So anyway, that being said, season 10 episode, or season 15, episode 10, a bonus episode, how to prevent mistyping. Here we go. So let's talk about the situation. So we have on the board here, uh, the four sides of the mind. So this is my four sides of the mind. It's important that I have, you know, myself as an ENTP, uh, ENTP ego, ISFJ uh, subconscious, INTJ shadow, and ESFP superego. This is literally my mind on paper. This is the four sides of the mind, okay? So uh, let me find my awesome pens here. For some reason I have the wrong pen in my pocket, but that's okay. So we have the ego, and then we have the uh, shadow, also known as the unconscious. And then we have the uh, subconscious, also known as the anima and animus. Helps if I can, you know, spell correctly. This could be a little whiteboard heavy in this particular lecture, so just just kind of follow along as mu as much as I can. I'm gonna be marking up the board like a crazy madman as we do this. Uh, but anyway, so here's my mind on paper. So and then over here, we have a moderator of the CSJ Discord, uh, which uh, is Logan. Uh, Logan uh, joined our moderator team recently on the uh, uh, CSJ Discord. And it's been pretty great. Uh, she's done a great job, a uh, lot of input, uh, been very helpful with getting our rules established and whatnot, and uh, just kind of having to deal with the day-to-day, -day, you know, hashtag internet trolls of the CSJ Discord. And as a result, we're very happy to have her on the team, and she's made some insanely good contributions. The issue was that we were having with her is that we weren't really sure what type she was. Now, typically, you know, someone suggested, oh, you know, yeah, I'm, I, I'm an INTJ. You know, that's the, that's the initial thought. And a lot of people, you know, saw her as an INTJ. And to be honest, I actually saw myself being an INTJ because when I first took the test and I first got involved into uh, Jungian uh, analytical psychology, depth psychology, typology, etc., cetera, uh, I was also initially uh, typed as an INTJ because of the first few tests that I took, I scored INTJ on the test. So I thought for many years that I was actually an INTJ. That was until I met my first mentor who crushed that and revealed that that uh, may not necessarily actually be the case. So I ended up after verifying through my mentors that I am actually an ENTP, right? And it's because uh, knowing the four sides of the mind, knowing the interaction styles, knowing the temperament styles, knowing the type grid, knowing the temperament matrix, I've been able to realize that yes, I'm definitely an ENTP, right? So anyway, let's talk about how or why this is relevant. It's relevant because when I was first taught by my mentors, um, um, R.D. Bryant and R.P. Moriel, for example, uh, both of those gentlemen uh, who are fantastic individuals and, and, I'm, and I'm very happy to have uh, studied under them, um, very grateful and uh, very blessed to do so, uh, you know, the first one being an ESTP, the second one being an INFJ, absolutely fantastic, um, 
you know, to really have that relationship with them and be taught by them. Anyway, the point is, is that in one of their lessons uh, that I learned, uh, and both of them, and like a separate lesson from either, uh, they they explained, uh, and this is, you know, they explained that they came to some issues. They had some problems with potentially mistyping people at certain times. And uh, I will, uh, Artie Bryant actually, uh, Mr. Bryant set up um, with me, uh, you know, the specific way to, uh, you know, figure out the cognitive functions and, uh, and just in, you know, interaction styles. He just started the whole Linda Barron's approach with me at the very beginning. But, uh, you know, he gave me like my first type grade that I stuck on a wall and, and read it or studied it for like literally two years on the same wall uh, while being homeless at the time, which is kind of interesting. But the point was, I was studying it under him at the time, but it wasn't until I met Mr. Morial that I ended up actually getting a bigger, firmer grasp on mistyping because as Mr. Morial had uh, uh, explained to me uh, at the time, is that every now and then you're not able to type somebody correctly and you just don't know why. Now, the MBTI actually has this issue too. If you give someone a test and there's just no way, you have no idea what type there is, there's actually a particular type that you can assume they are just by default, and they just auto-score them that type. And that's actually been taught in a few MBTI classes, that's been taught by a few people administering the test. It's just that if you just can't figure out which type they are, chances are, by default, they're X type, basically. And, you know, then they give you, like, what type that is, etc. So, something similar actually kind of came about as a result of using the type grid. And as Mr. Moriel put it to me, you know, there's a reason why. Um, and he called it uh, the mirror factor. Uh, now this is different from the, the mirror effect that INFJs have when INFJs are in front of you know a bunch of people and then because of that, uh, there's like a bunch of, um, I mean, wow, I mean, lots of static in the background, right? Uh, when INFJs are around people, they can take on those people's traits, the social behavior, and then there's a there's a potential for them to be uplifted. There's also potential for them to be corrupted by those people, and that can be an issue. No, that's not what we're talking about. The mirror, uh, the the mirror factor is a little bit different. It specifically uh, has to do with typology, right? So why is this relevant? Well, because when you're trying to type somebody, there's a risk. It's a caveat. You have to understand that this could be a problem. So before I actually explain what the mirror effect um, or the mirror factor does and, and how it affects you using the type grid, let's actually talk about how I first actually mistyped Logan because I'm literally admitting that right now. I mistyped Logan and it was like bad and sorry, but it happens, right? And I'm gonna explain why it happened and walk you all through the process as to why it happened so you can avoid to make the same mistake I did so you can make sure that you're accurate moving forward, right? So that's kind of the approach we're gonna be taking here. So let's walk out, let's walk Let's like walk through the process of what I did to type her initially and how I failed and then let's walk through the process of how it actually worked out in the end and how we were able to get to an accurate typing of her. So our awesome moderator, Logan. And I love all of our moderators, but uh, I mean, this lecture is about her anyway, so let's do it. So uh, I was like, okay, yeah, we're gonna, we're definitely gonna be typing uh, Logan here. So that's what I did. Initially it's like, okay, well, what type is she? Uh, after a while in analyzing, uh, you know, various text chats from her, cause we mostly interact in text on the Discord server, I mean, who does it? And then also on, uh, and then also on, 
on voice chat, but not as much as text chat, I came to realize, okay, yeah, she definitely, definitely is movement. So I was like, okay, yeah, she's movement, awesome. And then I, I, I saw her and it's like, okay, yeah, she seems direct, okay. Definitely uh, responding, she seemed really responding. So I was like, okay, awesome. That means she's a finisher, right? Definitely, definitely in the finisher. So I was like, okay, I'm, she's a finisher. And, and that kind of fits the narrative of her being an INTJ, right? She joined the Discord server, she chose INTJ, INTJ is what the tests have told her, etc. And predominantly the majority of the people on our Discord community actually believe that she is an INTJ, right? But something was wrong. Something was not making any sense. And um, after having a lot of interaction with her one-on-one, one -on -one, uh, her and I would have many chats one-on-one -on -one with each other through uh, direct messaging and Discord, etc. And on a regular basis, uh, especially since she's a moderator and we're talking about moderator things, etc. Uh, within the Discord server and the operations thereof, we're just kind of aware of these risks. Well, uh, well, these interactions. And one of these uh, reactions, interactions that we had was... I noticed that there's no way she was an FITE user. No way. Absolutely not. She was actually TIFE user. She's always talking about how other people feel. She's always uh, correcting people at times. Always very truth oriented. Not about beliefs per se. Which definitely flew in the face of her being an INTJ. Because an INTJ is actually a TEFI user. That's what an INTJ is. So there's no way that she could be an INTJ. Absolutely no way she could. I knew for a fact she was a TI user, TIFE user. I knew she was pragmatic, which was important. And uh, because of her being pragmatic, okay, yeah, great. And I knew, and the thing is though, I wasn't sure if she was abstract or concrete. I wasn't sure if she was affiliative or systematic, right? Very difficult, but I knew for a fact she was definitely a TIFE user. I knew she was pragmatic and movement direct and responding. I believe that was those things definitely with hands down, absolutely confirmed movement for sure at a minimum. So direct responding movement, okay? Here's the kicker. If you're direct responding movement and you're a TIFE user, that basically means you can only be an ISTP or an INFJ. So just going through the type grid, if you're looking for a TIFE user in the direct responding movement, aka finisher interaction style, the only TIFE users available are ISTP or INFJ. Now, I knew that she was pragmatic, so that automatically, automatically eliminates INFJ. So by process of elimination, I maintained for about the period of, I don't know, 10 days, that she was actually an ISTP. I would even refer to her as such during our mod meetings, right? I'm so sorry. But the point is, that's how I came to my conclusion. Um, she's very direct in her speech, uh, oftentimes, uh, uh, and uh, she's definitely very movement. I would see that she would join the chat. She wouldn't really talk unless spoken to, etc. And it kind of gave the air of responding and uh, yeah, made sure, made a lot of sense to me. It was very finisher related. It just seemed every time that her and I would interact directly one-on-one, -on -one, because I often do like one-on-ones when I'm typing people, I don't really pay as much attention to the other stuff, 
even though I should, right? Like especially in group group actions, etc. I've noticed that okay, yeah, when we're one on one talking to each other, absolutely direct responding movement, chart the course, finisher type, interaction style, and I know for a fact she is a TIFE user. I saw multiple chats, constantly correcting people. We looked at uh, different sentences that she had made, uh, and for sure, definitely TIFE user. Uh, even uh, Jab, who's an admin on the Discord server, also maintained that Logan was a uh, TIFE user and not a TEFI user at all. And of course, Jab would know because he's an FITE user and he has natural compatibility with people who are uh, TIFE, like myself, for example. So yeah. So for the longest time, definitely believed uh, ISTP. And where is my eraser? Awesome. So for a while, it's like, okay, great. You're an ISTP. Except, except, didn't feel right. It did not feel right. Uh, now enter in the next one. Here we have Jab, right? Jab the INTJ. Jab the INTJ is like, there's no way in hell Logan is an ISTP. There's just no way that's going to work. Why Why is that? Why? And he was like, GJs, I think you're wrong on this one. And he maintained that consistently, constantly trying to verify and re-verify it. And I kept on going back to, you know, all these interactions that I had with Logan one-on-one, -on -one, and that's why I maintained she's an ISTP, right? No, very wrong, actually. Uh, so, Jab has a different relationship with her because obviously he is a different type, right? And then because he's an INTJ and not an ENTP, he's able to see different things. They're able to interact, uh, you know, those two people are able to interact with each other differently than, than she would interact with me. It wouldn't be the same, right? Because she's responding and initiating to his type, which is different than mine, and he's responding and initiating uh, from from her type, and uh, which would be different from me doing the same thing in that direction, you know, for sending and receiving. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm initiating the typing process, and her and I have this, uh, this back and forth interaction. And uh, however, uh, Jab and her have a completely different interaction because it's INTJ and X type, where it's ENTP and X type, and it's going back and forth and going back and forth in different ways, right? The interactions are completely different. So there's actually different data. So, you know, what Jab did is like, he put on his investigation cap, cap because he's like, there is no way that she can be an ISTP. There's just no way. He completely disagreed with me. He didn't see it. So he kept on trying to figure out what other ways it was going. And then we noticed something, something different happened as a result of his interaction with her. We noticed something. We noticed that when she was around him, she was more informative, actually. And when she was more around him instead of me, she was actually more initiating, right? She was still movement though, but she seemed way more informative. He'd, he'd, uh, we'd actually get on voice chat and talk about it because we were actually arguing about this for over a week now. And he's like, here, here, she said X, Y, Z. And she said this, and she said that. And that's informative, that's informative. I'm like, yes, that's informative, that's informative. And he's like, well, if she's an ISTP, how could she be informative? Well, she can't, because guess what? If you're an ISTP, your ego, your subconscious, and your shadow, guess what? Are All three of those are direct, and it's called triple direct. And you're not really in your CPR ego very often. It's extremely rare. So the fact that you're even remotely being informative when you're a triple direct ISTP, that's not going to make any sense. So just on that alone, I'm like, crap. There's no way she could be an ISTP. There's absolutely no way. 
There's no way. She's being informative. Consistently. We're seeing consistent form. But for some reason, when I'm talking to her, she's direct. Why? Why is it? Why is the interaction style changing based on the audience? And then I'm like, oh, I know what's, what it is. Okay, so back to Mr. R.P. Moriel, my, uh, my, uh, my mentor. So years ago, he talked to me about you know, the mirror effect, right? Or the mirror factor and how the mirror factor, when you're typing somebody, uh, you can actually get very confused. Because as he put, and this is a rule, this is very important, this is very integral to this lecture right here. This is like, this is the big idea. So when you're using the type grid to type somebody, right? And you're using the temperament matrix to identify the temperament, you're trying their interaction styles and you find out what type they are, there's a problem. It's very difficult for somebody to type somebody who is also their same type. It's very hard. It's like you're looking into a mirror. And because you're, you're looking for differences, you're not as much, you're, you're predisposed to, to, to not looking for similarities as much as you are looking for differences, etc. Because our brains, our minds are already pre-programmed to that effect. Why is that? That's because when human beings are judging each other, because guess what, when you're typing somebody, you're actually judging them. That's a fact, right? You're judging, you're literally judging people when you're typing them. Here's the thing, it's natural for people to try to judge people they're trying to find people who are like their uh, that are like their subconscious or, or like their uh, like their shadow, etc. Because they want to live vicariously through other people with their subconscious. Uh, they want people who are super highly compatible with them, which is their shadow or types like their shadow, etc. They're going for compatibility, even going for types that are similar to their super ego, because again, compatibility. And people just naturally gravitate towards the people. So their minds are already predisposed to interact, kind of assuming that everyone else is like these other people. Or assuming that other, you know, or, or judging people by the standard of their own thing. So when typing Logan, I'm at risk of like, oh, this is a potential blind spot, right? And then all of a sudden, oh crap, I've just mistyped her, right? I thought she was an ISTP. She can't be. She's actually informative. Why? It's because... The mirror factor. Now, think about it this way. We've already talked about in social compatibility, right? How social compatibility can change some things. So what happens, uh, what happens? What, what's the lowest compatibility with me? Well, the lowest compatibility with me is another ENTP. So ENTP plus ENTP. So, you know, and you know, and I'm a male, I'm a female, right? And I'm exhibiting yang energy in this one-on-one -on -one interaction. So that means she would be exhibiting yin energy in this one-on-one -on -one interaction. Okay, yin is the more pliable, yang is the more, you know, uh, structured, more forced, more, uh, not, it's not, uh, it's kind of, gosh, um, immobile. It's like the immovable object, right? Uh, it's just, uh, it's very firm. It's very firm in its existence, whereas the yin is more pliable. It's like water. It adapts to the moment, right? So, you know, especially in a male and female one-on-one -on -one private interaction between two ENTPs, literally what is happening here? What happens is, is that if I'm in yang mode, and she could be yang and I could be yin in the conversation too. I'm not saying just because of our gender, that's how it is. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just putting in there just for distinction, okay? Anyone could take on the yang role in the conversation or the yin role in the conversation because if you're two of the same type interacting with each other, you're going to bother each other. 
So there has to be some kind of way to have harmony in the conversation, right? How does our minds auto do this? How does our mind manage these situations? We come into contact with another type, okay? And then, okay, well, and then our mind decides, okay, am I gonna be in the yin role or am I gonna be in the yang role with this interaction? Am I going to be the dominant one uh, versus the, uh, the submissive one, basically? So look at yang as dominant and yin as submissive, okay, in the conversation. So I, I when talking to when talking to Logan and thinking that she was an INTJ or thinking that she was an ISTP, I automatically default chose the dominant role from my side. You know, I was I was pretty yang and I wasn't gonna let go of being in my ego. I wasn't willing to let go of my ego, right? So because of that, she ended up in the yin form. So she became the pliable one. And guess what? In order to get through an interaction with me, she had to change her type. How? Through a cognitive transition. She literally transitioned from ENTP all the way down to an INTJ. So she went into her INTJ side of her mind, okay? So she, she went from here, down here, from her ego to her shadow, just to have a conversation with me, right? So what this did was it caused me to get the movement direct and responding interaction style, the finisher interaction style. Because when you put two ENTPs in a room, one of them is going, and they're either bother the crap of each other and then really harm everything, everyone else around them. And because she cares about the Discord server, she cares about my relationship with Jab, she cares about her relationship with me, she, uh, she definitely is there to be involved, uh, knows what she should do, etc. wants to make people feel good, give them what they want. So from her point of view, I need to adapt to Chase right now. And I don't wanna have there be, I know that there's a risk of conflict. Uh, our minds just are naturally aware subconsciously of the risk of conflict with another person of the same type. So what do you do? Okay, I'm gonna go yin mode and then I'm going to change my type with a cognitive transition, right? Literally going to change my type where I will become the INTJ. Which because I've become the INTJ and moved from my ego to my shadow, that means my interaction style changes, right? Which means her interaction style went from starter to finisher, just to have that interaction with me. Because she didn't want to create conflict. It was all about harmony. Harmony was the objective at that particular moment, right? As a result, when we were interacting with each other, it was really ENTP plus INTJ. And that introverted interaction, introverted interaction means one-on-one -on -one or by yourself. A singular human being by themselves or a one-on-one -on -one interaction is an introverted interaction. When you add a third person, it becomes an extroverted interaction. So her one-on-one -on -one interactions with me and my introverted sensing with ENTP, because I'm all about introverted sensing, for example, it's an SI user, all of my personal information, all of my experience with her in a one-on-one -on -one situation was her being INTJ, right? Here's another caveat. It's possible that she was actually stuck in her shadow because of trauma in her life. Trauma in her life where she would just default being in her shadow at all times. Logan could have had trauma in her life that, just like I did, that put her mostly in her shadow in the majority of the day. And it wasn't until she was around other people that she was brought out of her shadow and into her ego. And then she could literally be herself for once. Instead of having to wear a mask like ENTPs do, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to watch the Virtue and Vice lecture about ENTPs, about 
our virtue being sincerity and our vice being insincerity, where we wear masks for every single human being we come into contact with and also like all of our interactions, right? Every human being we interact with, we have a specific mask for them, right? So her mask is literally her doing a cognitive transition into INTJ, okay? And she became an INTJ for all of her interactions with me. This is why I concluded that she was direct responding movement because every time we would converse, I was the informative one, she had to be the direct one, right? That's kind of how it works when you're in that situation. This is why I'm like, she. I know for a fact she's a TIFE user, we're analyzing all of her chat logs. Yes, she is a TIFE user, but she's got that with me personally and what I've experienced introverted sensing. What I have experienced with my introverted sensing as an ENTP interacting with her, it has always been direct responding movement, AKA she is a finisher. But if she is TIFE, she can only be an INFJ or an ISTP, but guess what? She's pragmatic, so she can't be an INFJ, so by process of elimination, she has to be an ISTP. Except, it's not her ego. It's not her ego that I'm typing. That's the problem. So, what do you do? Ah, this is what you do. Enter Jab. Jab the INTJ. His interactions. And he's interacting with both of us. Which is awesome. So jab to me and jab to Logan, right? And it's like, oh, there is no way. She's an ISTP. Here's what I see, right? And he provides uh, chat logs, uh, photos of screenshots, uh, specific information, proving to me that, yeah, I, know, I get that you're seeing a direct responding movement, but when she's interacting with me, it's not direct responding movement, it's actually the other way around. And looking at those chat logs, we found out, yes, She's informative. And she is initiating. And she's still movement, right? And then we knew she was a TI plus FE user. And then Jad provided additional evidence that showed that she was abstract uh, in his interactions with her, right? Yes, definitely. Uh, I would I would admit that yes, she's definitely abstract, and I I was not willing to see the abstract components of her conversation because the way I looked at it was oh that interaction style I was getting is a finisher, and she we know she's not affiliative, she is pragmatic, so she could only be an ISTP, right? Stuck in my ways, right? That could be an issue. Well, here's the information that Jab got as well. He still agreed with me, TIFE user. He still agreed with me, movement. Um, and, and he maintained abstract, initiating and informative. He provided chat logs and evidence and I look at his chat logs and evidence and it's like absolutely right. She is 100% informative. What's the problem? Here it is. This is the whole point right here of the lecture at 31 minutes. Um, here's the point. The point is, is that when you're typing somebody and you're typing somebody of the same type as yourself, right? One of you chances are it's going to cognitive tran uh, transition into a different side of your mind just for the interaction. Typically people don't transition into their subconscious because their subconscious is still pretty low compatibility. So there's still a very high chance uh, from a social compatibility standpoint. If you haven't seen my uh, lecture, on so lecture series on social compatibility, I think it's season 12, check that out. Seriously, watch 
uh, the lecture series on social compatibility. If it's not season 12, just look up social compatibility here on the YouTube channel. You'll find what you're looking for. Uh, from a social compatibility standpoint, you know, uh, being with somebody of the same type is, is the lowest compatibility you have from a social compatibility, but being with their subconscious as well is also super mega low. It's bottom four. So there's a chance for conflict there. So in order for a human being to let go of the conflict before competition sets in, before it gets super mega competitive from a social compatibility standpoint, what they do is one of the people in the conversation, one of the people in the interaction, they do a cognitive transition into their shadow, which because they've moved into a different side of their mind, it changes the interaction style. So Logan, for example, we found out she was an ENTP ego, which means her shadow is an INTJ, just like mine, ESFP, superego, and then ISFJ, subconscious. And now she's ENTP with me, but then she had to become an, an INTJ because this interaction wasn't going to work. We were naturally lacking in compatibility, okay? And, because, and she couldn't shift to ISFJ because that's still lacking in compatibility, but INTJ is super compatible with an ENTP, and she went yin mode while I was yang mode, and then she was the INTJ. And because the INTJ I was getting, the finisher interaction style, okay? But with Jab and interacting with her, she could actually be in her ego. Because guess what? They're super high compatibility. So they're able to be in their, each other's egos when interacting with each other, and she can actually be who she is. But when she's talking to me one-on-one, -on -one, she can't really be who she is because of the risk of conflict. And our brains and our minds are already pre-programmed to handle this. That's why we do cognitive transitions, okay? Here's the thing. What happens when your mind is in, and you're in your family and you're not compatible with the rest of your family? You cognitive transition, and that's typically why people get, for the most part, the majority of the time, why people get stuck in their shadow, because their mind is like, I, my ego is not compatible with the rest of the members of my family, I need to be in my shadow because it's a safer place to be in my shadow, but then my growth is stunted because I'm super immature in that way. Like for example, uh, uh, my girlfriend, she's an ENFJ, her stepdad is an ENFJ. You think it's really safe in her family for her to like be an ENFJ in that family? Uh, no. As a result of that, she ended up stuck in her INFP shadow for many, many years because there wasn't enough room in that family with a, uh, a male dominant father figure. This is my ego, this is who I am. You're just gonna have to deal with it. You're just gonna have to cognitive transition for me. You're gonna have to transition to something else, right? That's literally what happens. And guess what? When you're typing other people and you are super low compatibility with them, there's a chance they're going to transition into another type, which would, because they're in a different side of their mind, they're a different type in that moment and their interaction style changes temporarily. And you're trying to type them and judge them and get all that information for making that decision. And because you've typed them as such, using the interaction style that they're giving you at that moment in time, you could be wrong. You could mistype them. So, how do you solve that problem? The answer is peer review. Jab, Mr. Peer Review, the INTJ, providing evidence. He's like, you know, I know the type grid too. I know the temperament matrix too. I disagree with you though. And he's, he looks at my information. He's like, yes, you're right. I agree with you. But then he looks at 
And then I look at his information as like, yes, I agree with you too. But one of us is wrong. Peer review, it's important. If you don't really know, there's a chance you might encounter someone of the same type and then you'll have this problem and then you transition or they transition. So there's two ways of doing this, two ways. The first strategy is to bring in a third party who knows the type grid and the temperament matrix to help you and give you a second opinion on typing someone properly. That's the first way because then you're at least verifying, uh, you're getting additional different point of view to make sure that you're getting all the information. Or the second way of doing it is you perform a cognitive transition yourself and you will yourself to be either your subconscious or your shadow, etc. in an interaction with somebody just to see how they would react to that and to see if they're able to stay in their ego, right? And you know if they're in their ego because they're spending much more time in their ego because their ego is primary. The whole object of the game is to find out which of the four sides of the mind or which type which interaction style, which temperament Logan is more than anything else. And looking at all of the evidence from, uh, from the, the evidence that Jab has and then paying attention to her after give, being given that evidence to how Logan behaves in our moderator meetings, for example, on the uh, CSJ Discord and being able to keep track of uh, all that information and how she acts in the crowd, guess what? She would join into the moderator chat. She wouldn't say anything. She would not say anything unless spoken to. She was very responding. Why was that? It's because she was in her subconscious. Her ISFJ is a responding one because it is introverted, just like the INTJ is, right? So I'm like, it was like, oh, for me, all oh, that's just more evidence that she's responding. Not necessarily true because the ENTP type itself is the most introverted of all of the types. Why is that? Because it has SI inferior in a social interaction. The ENTP will not initiate with anyone and actually be very behind the scenes in their ISFJ subconscious because they are not comfortable in the social situation. You have to make an ENTP comfortable, make their SI comfortable in trade sensing so that they can come out of their behind the scenes ISFJ shell and be like the life of the party, be an extrovert, right? That's how it works. This is why NJs exist because NJs are able to find that ENTP who's uncomfortable in that social situation, make them comfortable, engage the ENTP so the ENTP knows, oh, this is what you want. Oh, you value this. Now I know how to behave. Oh, I, now I know which mask to wear, or maybe I don't need to wear a mask at all. And then they start engaging and they're, they're performing and they are a part of the social interaction at last. Otherwise, they will stay in their behind the scenes ISFJ shadow or uh, subconscious and they will not speak unless spoken to and they will come off super responding. You have to be aware of these little caveats, right? Yes, I'm sure you're watching this and like, oh, but CS Joseph, this is super mega confusing. Okay, again, all you have to do if you're absolutely not sure, think to yourself, okay, is it possible they're the same type I am? Because according to RP Morial, the, the mere factor is, you know, it's very enigmatic when you are faced with typing some of your own type, it can lead to you mistyping them. Some of the most, I mean, he himself would admit, and my other mentor would admit, both of them will admit, it's always the hardest to type your own type, as well as the hardest to type your own subconscious. Those two types, to type someone else with the same ego as you, or to type someone else whose ego is your, subco uh, your subconscious, it is the absolute hardest to type them. Because there's a lot of preconceived notions about how things work with your own type, and how you judge yourself, etc. And that may not necessarily match with those other people, because while they're still different people, 
What you apply to standards for yourself doesn't necessarily mean it applies to them. So because of that, it's actually a higher difficulty level for you to type somebody else who has the same ego as you or their ego is your subconscious, right? So this can lead to mistyping. So how do you deal with that? One, you realize that that's possible, okay? And it's like, well, if that's what's going to happen, I need to cognitive transition into my shadow or my subconscious to see how they react to that, right? So remember, we talk about trust but verify, trust what you're doing, but verify it just in case, or trust what other people say and verify what they say, always verify. So if you perform a cognitive transition yourself and you're going into your subconscious or your shadow to interact with this person just to see, just to make for absolute sure that you're right about their ego, you will reduce the chances of you mistyping somebody if it's not already obvious to you what it is through interaction styles or temperament styles through the type grid or the temperament matrix. You have to be aware of these things, okay? So that is one way to look at it. The other thing is peer review. Find somebody else, a friend or a family member that knows the type grid and the temperament matrix and get their input and compare notes because chances are they might be seeing something that you're missing and if that person is, is the same type as you, well, you're kind of at a disadvantage in accurately typing them, right? So because of that disadvantage, bringing in a third party, like I did with Jab, for example, we were able to actually get to the bottom of it. So, Logan, sorry for treating you like an ISTP for the last 10 days or so. I apologize, but we've come to the conclusion that yes, you are an ENTP, and so the audience knows I'm not, you know, pulling it out of my butt. Logan just recently watched the ESTPs, uh, how do ESTPs compare to ENTPs lecture, and she said, yes, that is definitely me. I am an ENTP, I stand corrected. Finally, it's awesome to know I am not an INTJ, I'm not an ISTP, I am an ENTP, great. Now I could like figure it all out and then move forward with my life. And great, that's what we do here at csjoseph.life, helping people with their lives, right? That's, that's why we do this. So anyway, wow, that's, uh, that's a lot. The bottom line is, like everyone else, I'm not perfect. I'm prone to mistakes. I can mistype people too. It happens. Why did I mistype? It's because she's the NTP just like I am. And when we're having, and when the majority of the information is literally a one-on-one -on -one interaction with me, well, guess what? She's going to transition into her INTJ and I'm gonna be typing her based on her shadow instead of typing her on her ego. That's a risk. To prevent that from happening, I need to transition myself to just verify. I need to bring in a third party for peer review or I need to observe her. I didn't mention this previously, but the third thing is I need to observe her in a crowd in an extroverted situation and see how she behaves there. And then take all of that data holistically and then make my decision instead of just jumping to a conclusion, right? Because that's exactly what I did. I jumped to the wrong conclusion because process elimination dictated ISTP. We already went through that. I thought she was direct responding movement, which she was, but that's because her mind forced her to, forced her into her shadow when interacting with me because she was being more yin and I was being more yang in our interaction. I was the dominant one in the conversation. She was the submissive one in the conversation because she didn't want to disrespect me, right? So her mind decided in order to maintain the goal of not disrespecting him, I'm going to transition into my shadow for this conversation. And then I grabbed all that data from her being in her shadow. I made the wrong decision. So, and I didn't verify and transition myself to try to test the theory. 
didn't work, right? And even if even if it's ENTP on ENTP and I transition to INTJ, that's still pretty difficult. So bringing in a third party or observing this particular individual in an extroverted situation and other situations to gather more information, to gather more data so that you're absolutely sure after you spent enough time and make sure you are verifying and checking your work, always verify, trust but verify, you will be more accurate when you use the type grid and a temperament matrix to type people. It's very important that you understand these things because let me tell you, it sucks when you mistype somebody and they're already organizing their life around this type and it's wrong. Always verify. And I'm very glad that we had this exercise and this situation come up, had this little failure, etc., because it just reminded me, oh, that's that one thing that RP Morial taught me about, the mirror factor, when you're like literally looking at yourself in the mirror with another type and how that can actually lead to mistypes. It's important that we are aware of this, right? As a result, I found it necessary to talk about that in this lecture tonight for season 15, episode 10, so that y'all know that this can be a thing and this is how you get out of it. Those three things, okay? Transition yourself, just to test. Uh, get a third party for a peer review, etc. And then the third thing, observe them in a situation outside of just one-on-one, -on -one, just in case. That way you have all of the information that you need in order to make a proper judgment, a proper decision, right? So that you're not like stuck in a rut uh, making improper judgments and thus mistyping people, which can lead to a lot of problems. And that's what I'm here to do is reduce your problems. This is why it's important to do a lecture like this so you don't have to deal with this. So anyway, if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, and insightful, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and on the podcast. Uh, also, leave a like and a comment while you're at it if you have any questions uh, about Season 15 and how to use the type grid or uh, the temperament matrix. Uh, if you haven't joined our Discord server already where you can actually meet these people, you can meet Logan, you can meet uh, Jab, and they'd be definitely happy to assist you with any questions that you may have, as well as the rest of the moderator team, as well as some of the members of our Discord server. The link is in the description below so that you can actually get on our Discord server and hang out with us. It's a free application. It's pretty awesome. It's just like Slack. And uh, we could do voice chat and text chat, uh, play music. It's, it's a really fun time. Also, if you want to come to our meetup, our, uh, our Bay Area meetup, the link is also in the description of this lecture. So, awesome. Thank you all for uh, joining me for this lecture tonight and this uh, journey. Uh, it's important that I'm also transparent with you know my failures and, and uh, how I can mistype people at times. It doesn't happen very often but it can, and in this situation, this is how it can, right? It's really hard, I will admit, and my mentors will also admit, it's really hard to type, it's like super hard to type someone of your own type or your subconscious because it can lead to these mistyped results. So again, always verify. Always be willing to cognitive transition yourself, bring in a third party for a peer review, or observe them into other interactions outside of just one-on-one -on -one, and you will have all the information that you need to make the right and most accurate decision when using the type grid or the temperament matrix. So, awesome. With all that being said, I'll see you guys tomorrow night. How to type Elon Musk, I believe, is our next lecture and that'll be live streamed uh, tomorrow night from the YouTube channel. I'll be happy to see you there. So, awesome. Have a good night.